Okay, I want to share with you this morning more of our series that we've been going through, which has been about the kingdom of God and really trying to, I guess, rediscover or get back to the truths of the kingdom of God and what that means. And we've been looking at this idea of um, living, the kingdom of God is really living on the other side of normal. What's normal in this world, in society out there, when you mirror that up against the kingdom of God, there's something very different. And so us as a people, the way that we live, our values, you know, the, the way we operate, the things that we believe in, everything we do should be radically different to the world. And we've been looking at all sorts of ways that that's opposite, that it's an inverted kingdom and everything is back to front and we move in the opposite spirit. When the world says hate somebody, God says love them. You know, God says, don't just love the people that love you. He says, love your enemies as well. And we've got this whole upside down, topsy-turvy kingdom that we've, we've, we've sadly blended very much with the world. And I think we've got to learn to pull apart from that and come back to really, truly being God's people in the kingdom of God. Click is working. I need a couple of volunteers this morning to come up here and help me. Who am I going to choose? Yeah, you can come up, Jake. That'd be good. We have a young person. Need someone a little bit older. Stuart, why don't you come up, mate? Not that you're old and over the hill, but just a little bit older. And who else? Kerry, you can come up too. You come up with your son. Come on. I'm only going to ask you a question. It's an easy question. Come on. Don't be shy. Listen, you were hanging on to snakes in Thailand, scooting around Thailand on a little mini bike, and you're frightened to stand in front of your own family. Come on. Okay. No, you can't. I want you to have a really good look out here at all these people and tell me what you see. Variety. Variety? Okay, that's good. Keep going. What do you see? People? Yeah. Friends, that's good. Keep going. Family. family. Yeah, well, I see a family too, by the way. So. Yeah, well, that's good. Anything else you see, you let me know. <laughs> what do you see? Is it a trick question? No. <laughs> it's not a trick question. Are there prizes under the seat? No, I didn't bring prizes for you. I just want to know, when you look out at a congregation, what do you see? I see brothers and sisters. I see all God's people. And that's who, who that's exactly who I, I as you said, who you guys are. And you're just not just God's people. We are part of each other. The Bible says that we're all one body, but we didn't pass. I could be a nose, wherever. I mean, Doug Corby knows, but I could be a nose, <laughs> you know, whatever. But we're all God's people. We're all, we're all different parts of the one body. We all serve the one God, but we serve God in different ways. It's good. That's how I, I see us. I'll have to let you preach sometime, mate. That was very good. Anything else you want to add? Can I go home here? <laughs> no, you can go and sit down if you want. Thank you, guys. You've done very well. It's not a trick question, but I want to tell you what I see. I see God's war cabinet. That invested into this room is the power and authority of God to change nations, to change the world, to change the course of history. I see a group of people that God has embedded into his power and authority to make a difference in this world. We are a war cabinet. If we decide here today that God is going to move, then he will move because he's invested that power and that authority into you and I. 
We are God's war cabinet. We are his government on earth. And if the government of, of uh, you know, Mr. Abbott sits down as a cabinet and they decide that they're going to put laws in place or there's going to be a welfare system or there's going to be something that happens, it happens because they are the government. And they have the authority and the right to implement those things. If they want a new road system, they just make it happen. But we are God's war cabinet. We are God's government. We are the ministers in the cabinet of God. And we all play a different role in that cabinet, but we all bring different, like Stuart said, different gifts, different opportunities. So when I look out at you guys, that's what I see. God's people with power and authority to change the course of history to stand against supernatural powers and principalities, to wield weapons of matchless power, to annul the strategies and ploys of our enemy. We are a cabinet. We are God's war cabinet. If we decide today, Satan, thus far and no more, he cannot move. Why? Because we have power and authority that God has given us to play this role. It's our role to play. The question is, are we playing it? Have we taken up the authority? Have we taken up the mantle and the position? So I'm the head of my household and my family's been attacked from the enemy. What do I do? Do I lay down and say, well, let it be? Let it be, let it be. No, I draw a line in the ground and I say, I have been given authority and power over my family as, as God's instrument to stand and resist the enemy to submit to God, to resist the enemy, and he will flee. So as we sort of envelop this around who we are, we can evoke words of life, of freedom, of liberty, of restoration, of recovery, of reconciliation. We have so much power in this room through what God has given to us, but we're not using it properly because the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk but of power. And we need to come back to being a people of power because when I look out today, I see warriors, I see intercessors, I see watchmen who stand on the wall and pray, I see people that are healers, that are counsellors, that are visionaries, that are great orators, that can speak the word of God, they're pioneers, that are going to do new things, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. They're all the government agencies of God that he's given to us so that we can rule the world in God's power and God's authority. We are his representatives on earth. So he's given us all the gifts of heaven necessary to advance the kingdom of God. But the church is not using them. So the government of heaven has been activated on earth through Christ's imputed power and authority, assigned by the King of Kings and bestowed on us. When the Spirit of God comes and we are baptized into the Spirit of God, then we are raised with Christ and we are given gifts. And those gifts are to be used to function in a body so that that body can be complete and whole in advancing the kingdom of God. And if everyone in the body plays their part, their, their spiritual giftedness, then we will advance. And we're supposed to advance. We're not supposed to just occupy and stand still. We're supposed to move forward with power and with authority. And when we learn that, we're going to be a powerhouse, which is what God wants us to be. So government equals power. For unto us a child is born, to unto us a son is given, and the government 
will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. And Jesus, this is talking about, will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. And the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. What Isaiah was saying that on the, on the shoulders of Jesus would rest government over the universe. But Jesus has then handed that responsibility onto you and I as his ambassadors here on earth to fulfill that mandate, to govern. When God created Adam and Eve, he gave them the right to rule over the earth. So we have a right to rule. We have a God-given mandate and authority to rule over our own lives, to rule over our families, to rule over our community, and to rule over this nation. And when we rise up into that mindset of saying we are kingdom people with kingdom power and stop hiding in the shadows, then we will advance the kingdom of God. But the kingdom of God will never advance without conflict. You're going to have to roll up your sleeves and fight. Since the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of God has been violently advancing and violent men and women lay hold of it. It is a holy violence. It's a war. And we've got to advance the kingdom of God through the kingdom power and authority that God has given us. Now, the reason why God chose David's throne, why, why did God chose David's throne? Not Solomon's, not, not Saul's, not someone else's. He chose David's throne as his line of succession is because David did exactly what Jesus did. He conquered all his enemies. That was what he was known for, for bringing peace to Israel. After lots of bloodshed and lots of battles, finally peace came to the land. And Jesus looked at David and said, that's the type of king I'm going to be because I'm going to come and I'm going to crush my enemies. In fact, Jesus made a public spectacle on, of them on the cross. And, and he, and he honoured David because he was a warrior and he was a fighter and he had faith to believe. So Jesus, having disarmed the powers and authorities, made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. And David, King David, did exactly the same in Israel. And Jesus came and did exactly the same for us. And now our job is to triumph and conquer over the evil that rules and reigns in this world. And we've been given weapons of warfare to do it. So David was called a man after God's own heart because he fought for freedom. He was willing to, to take on Goliath in faith. He was willing to stand against the army of the Philistines. He understood what it meant that there had to be a, a fight for God to prevail. And he used faith to subdue his enemies. And he trusted God to equip him and deliver him. He relied on God's empowering to sustain him. He was a mighty warrior. And Jesus was a mighty warrior and still is a mighty warrior but he's handed that weaponry to us to fight and to stand up for those around us who are subdued by evil and oppressed and, and heartbroken. And, and we've got to come with the gifts that God has given us, the kingdom authority, and we can bring change. So likewise, we are called to use the king's power that's been imputed to us. The Holy Spirit's been indwells us and therefore the power of God is there. It's resident. It's whether or not it's activated and we're using it to drive back the enemy. But the indwelling Holy Spirit enables us to win the battle. 
The war's already won. Jesus has won the war. It's just we've got to win the battles here on earth and, and, and to advance the kingdom. And we've got to do it and we've got to be willing to get involved in the conflict. And there is conflict. There's conflict in all our lives as we battle to overcome sin, as we over, battle to overcome our selfishness, as we get involved in other people's lives. There's always conflict in a spiritual sense. So we pray and we stand by faith and we pray and we stand by faith and we use the gifts that God's given us, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, healing power. All the gifts that God's given us are weapons of warfare and they are mighty in God for pulling down all the strongholds and the, and, and the things that the enemy has built up. We can tear them down. We can bring marriages back from the brink. We can bring lost people into the kingdom. We can achieve anything that we want if we stand together, believing that God has given us that power and authority, and we use it with faith in our hearts. So our government assignment is to conquer all our enemies, starting in here, to win the victory over sin in our own lives. As a testament to the fact that the Spirit of God reigns in us, we therefore will have authority over the sin that once used to rule us, we now rule it. That's the testing ground of whether your faith is real. So I used to be like this, lustful and angry and bitter, but now I'm not. I'm compassionate and I'm pure because the Spirit of God has empowered me to live above that sin that used to crush me. I'm no longer a slave to that sin anymore. And that's what Paul was saying. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin, so how can we live in it any longer? For we know that our old self was crucified with Jesus so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. So if we have truly released and yielded to the Spirit's power in our life, then we should be able to look back and see that the sin that once plagued us is no longer a problem in our lives. And that's a testament to the greatness of God flowing in our lives. We need to be free of sin. Then we can start moving forward. So the government assignment God's given to us is to conquer all our enemies. And if we can conquer the enemy within, then we will be so much better positioned to help those who are struggling. That's the principle of God. Have the victory in your own life so the enemy has no ground to tear you down. You're a role model of the goodness of God at work and the power of God at work. And out of that purity, the power will flow. You know what we try to do? We try to resist the devil and we try to say, devil, flee. But we don't forget that the first part of that verse is submit to God. So when we live in purity and when we live in righteousness, then we are able to stand as a warrior of God, not fearful of what the enemy can do to us. Because we're standing in righteousness. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. When we have right living in our life, our conscience does not condemn us anymore. We can stand before God and say, I'm living for him. And therefore we can use those weapons of warfare without being tripped up by the enemy or being taken out because we're living in purity. And that's what Paul, I believe, when he wrote to the Ephesians church, was trying to get them to understand the power that was within them, that was residing there, because I think they were struggling because they were very 
well educated and they were approaching God from a from a, a um, you know from a theological perspective. And Paul was trying to say, yeah, that's part of the picture, but it's really standing and releasing that power in your own life and the life of others. And he said, I pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe. And this is the same power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honour at the right hand of God in the heavenly realms. And I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through the Spirit. Now, while my dear friend from the Baptist Union is here, I'm going to make a profound statement. That's the problem with the Baptist denomination is that we're not a people that move with the Spirit of God enough. We have great theology, we have great people, and we have great vision, but we haven't taught people to be totally dependent on the Spirit of God and to allow the power of God to flow. Now, that's a generalization. I'm not being critical. I'm just saying it's, it's, it's the cutting point of Christianity, Because if we are not spirit-filled power people, what's the point? Do you remember a scripture in song? I remember a song that used to go, We are a people of power. We are... That's right. I I don't see much power... I don't see much power when I read New Testament activity of the disciples and Jesus and compare that to modern Christianity. I don't... I see a gulf... And it frightens me because I wonder what we're doing wrong. Are we not bold enough? Are we too fearful? Is there unbelief? Are we disobedient? Are we still not winning the victory of sin in our life? Like, why? I ask myself all the time, God, why? I know your hearts. I know you're all good people. You know my heart. I'm a good person. But there's not enough power. And it vexes me. It really does, because when I see Scripture and I read that the Holy Spirit is poured out, what followed was not just the signs and wonders, but the power of the people of God. And that's what Paul said when he came to the Corinthian church. He said, I didn't come to you with eloquent, fancy words to impress you. He said, I came with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. And we're very good from our pulpits and in our denominations of, of, of articulating God's truth and presenting things in, you know, on PowerPoint and in great ways. But, but if it doesn't equate to God's power being outworked in people, then we're doing something wrong. Because the kingdom of God is not about words. It's about power. Demonstrated power that God is real. And it's illogical to stand there and talk about an almighty God who created the heavens and the earth, who died on a cross, who conquered Satan, who can do all things, and then nothing happens. And isn't that that what happened with the apostles? Everywhere they went, they preached the word of God, but then they demonstrated the power of God over sickness, over over the demonic realm, over all sorts of things. There There was a compatibility between the spoken word and the revelation of the power of God. It came together. And I think we're erring too far this side. We've lost the power and we've got to get back to believing that we have that power and God is calling us to use it so that we are armed and positioned to fight for the ongoing freedom and the liberation of others. The whole point of the kingdom of God is to outwork, like David said this morning, for us to move out. 
to move out in power and authority, to move out in our communities. And when we see sick people, not to be fearful, to lay hands on them and pray that God's power will come. Because I tell you what will turn someone's life around really quickly if God supernaturally breaks in then we're going to see people start to inquire about, hey, what's this power that you have? What's, what, I've never seen anything like this. Or are we going to sit them down in an alpha class and trying to convince them to come to God? The convincing has to be married with word and power. So the weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. And we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take every thought and make it obedient to Christ. What that scripture is saying that the the arsenal that God has given us, all the gifts of the Spirit and the presence of God in our lives and and, and everything when we look at it, they are weapons that are from the throne of God for us to wield and use in the earthly realm, and they have divine power to do things that we cannot do in our own strength. And when the Spirit of God comes and those weapons are activated, then things will change dramatically and radically. And I don't know about you, but that's what I want to see. I want to see a church that's powerful. I don't mean arrogant. I don't mean that we put on a circus and have a show every Sunday for our own benefit. I want to see power. We need to see it. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And the whole purpose of that power is to be God's witnesses, telling people everywhere in Jerusalem, through Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So that word power is actually the Greek word dunamis, and it's used about 120 times in the New Testament. It's where we get our word dynamite from, or dynamo, or dynamic. What a great way to explain a church. (laughs) Hey, Catalyst Church is a dynamite church. It should be the anthem of every church, that we are dynamos for God. I don't mean that we have to be, you know... um, sanguine personalities and all out there. That's not what I mean. But we should have a power and authority about the way that we live and move and breathe and the way that we see things. So when when you're looking around, you see a war cabinet too. And when two or three of us agree together in God that something is going to happen, we know that we're changing history. We're not just standing around a little campfire on Wednesday morning, getting warm and saying some fluffy prayers. We're changing history. We're bringing redemption. We're drawing people into the kingdom of God. We're flattening the strongholds of the enemy and we're moving forward in faith and power. And those gifts are there for us and we need to use them. We desperately need divine empowerment. And I think rediscovering the kingdom of God is going back to the Holy Spirit and saying, Lord, why isn't it flowing in my life? What's the obstacle? Why is there not the power? Is it just that I've never put myself in a position to activate that power? Or am I fearful that God might somehow fail? Like there's all sorts of obstacles that could be there, and that's probably a whole other sermon. But the reality is as a people, we need to be a people of power. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. So the power and authority of Jesus is available to us, yes or no? Does anybody disagree with that? (laughs) Okay. 
So, and without God's divine power, we're unable to do anything, right? So no, no matter what box we tick, we're going to come to the conclusion that God's power is there for us. We've been commanded to use it. The gifts are all explained for us to use. It's just a question of the why. Why is there not the power and authority? And I think there's a number of reasons. I think part of it's just disobedience, that we don't walk in purity. And I think wherever you see God's power at work, those people were walking in purity as much as possible. None of us are perfect. I think there's a lot of unbelief in our hearts that we need to root out. We've been conditioned or we've lived in church denominations or you know we've just dulled down our expectation and anticipation of what God is going to do and can do. I think fear is obviously a big one. When we see the comparison between, you know, Peter denying Christ, running away, fearful, and yet the Holy Spirit is poured out, and then what do we see next? Him standing out in front of a crowd, declaring with boldness that Jesus Christ was the Lord. You know, there's the difference. Why? Because the Spirit of God came and enabled them to do things that they couldn't do in the natural. And we need to have that power. And I think unforgiveness is one of those two that inhibits the flow of the Spirit of God. I don't know how to finish today. I really don't. I don't know how to finish because I don't know what the answer is necessarily. It's probably going to be different for every one of us. But what I do know is that as a church, that we need to be open to the power of God flowing in our lives. We need to be open to seeing God move in ways that we've never seen before. don't quite know where I'm going, but I just think we need to respond to God and to really ask him to fill our lives afresh. And, uh, yeah. Thank you, Lord. If anyone's got a word from the Lord or wants to come and pray, and let's just open this time up for the Lord to really minister. And if you've got a sense in your heart to come and share something, then please feel free to do that. I don't have all the answers. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, we want to thank you for who you are in our lives, Lord God, and all that you've done for us, and we praise you for the cross. We thank you for the price that you paid. And Father, we thank you for your resurrection and the power that came to raise you and give you victory over death. And we thank you, Father, that sin was dealt with on the cross and that you made a public spectacle over your enemy. Lord, we thank you. But Lord, I know that you did all that so that you could send your spirit. I know that you did all that because you had a dream in your heart of people just like us encountering your presence and your power in such a way that we could never be the same, that our lives would be radically impacted by your presence and your power. And Lord, today I just want to ask that you would come, sweet Holy Spirit, and revive us and renew us and pour out your Spirit into our lives so that we are truly a people of power. And that, Father, in our own lives we will be those humble servants who want to see the gospel go forward and who aren't no longer fearful or timid because you did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power 
and of love and a sound mind to see and understand that it's God's purpose for us to move in power. And so, Lord, I pray today that as we just stand here, that, Lord, that you would move on our lives afresh, that you would pour out your spirit into each one here today, Lord God, from the youngest to the oldest, that, Lord, as we come with expectant hearts, that you will move mightily in our lives. Lord, we need you. We cannot do this without your power and your authority. And so, Lord, we just wait on you that now. Lord, we give you a chance to speak to us this morning. We wait upon you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. While we're standing, I just feel the Lord would ask each one of us to put our hands out, just whoever's comfortable. If you're comfortable to do that, if you're not, do it in your heart, however. But put your hands out and um, because there's power in this verse, I think, this Ephesians verse, because Mark's had it on his, in his PowerPoint message. Um, you know, then we've heard it shared again. And, and prior to that, the Lord was just kept saying to me, we want, want you to pray that prayer over, over, over us. And it's not me praying, it's, just, it's the Lord praying this over us. You know, there's so much power, there's so much power in praying the word of God over our lives. It's so much more powerful than our own words. So as your hands are out, think about these words and receive. Receive these words, receive what the Holy Spirit wants. So I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you, Thank you me, you and I, the spirit of wisdom yes, and revelation so that we will know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened mm-hmm. in order that you may know, that we may know the hope to which we've been called, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule, all authority, all power, all dominion, every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. Mm. And I pray that out of his glorious riches, we may be strengthened with power Thank you, Lord. through his spirit in our inner being so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. And I pray that being rooted and established in love, we may have power together with all the saints. Oh, God, that we would grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. Mm. And to know this love that surpasses all knowledge, that we may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more Mm. than all we could ever ask or imagine according to his power 
that is work within us to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, that you are a God who speaks to us individually. Thank you that you, your, your spirit prompts and moves us, that we uh, are headed in the same direction, Lord. Uh, thank you for the, for the support of family. And thank you for this word that you gave me this morning from Isaiah 54, verse 16. See, it is I who created the blacksmith, who fans the coals into flame and forges a weapon fit for its work. And it is I who created the destroyer to work havoc. No weapon formed against you will prevail, and you will refute every tongue that accuses you. And this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just as people are coming, I had, I had a word before that um, is from Paul's instruction to Timothy when Timothy was to, to take on his ministry, and he said, um, Therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses. Commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Mm. And that's really what we are here to do. We're here to please our commander. And our commander is Jesus. And the way that we perform as good soldiers, if you like, of, of Christ is to do what he tells us to do. Mm. Thank you. I'm reminded of a story in, um, that I heard back in Alpha many years ago um, of Field Marshal Montgomery. Um, during the war, he was riding up a, a hill in a jeep and uh, he saw a little schoolboy on the side of the road and he was carrying a heavy bag and the Field Marshal told the, the driver to stop and give the boy a ride. And as the boy got in, he turned out to be quite a, a lively, precocious little boy and he started talking and he said to the field marshal, what, what do you do? He said, I'm a field marshal. And he said, oh, my dad is in a, works in a field too. He's a farmer. What do you do in the field? He said, I kill people. And the little boy said, can I get out now, please, sir? He said, warfare is not easy and it's not nice. And I think sometimes there's a heresy that goes around that this Christian life is supposed to be easy. And that if everything's not going according to plan, I can't be a good Christian. But... But being a soldier for Christ means hardship sometimes. Mm. It means being um, obedient to do things perhaps that we don't want to have to do. Right. And that includes coming out the front for prayer. And that includes praying for people who come out the front for prayer. Mm. Sometimes those things aren't easy, but it's what Jesus calls us to do. Thanks.